I'm ready to go. Well, that's a, I gotta I gotta bring my notes up anyhow. So plug it in. Well, y'all know how I, I want to say. First of all, I appreciate everyone that that isn't able to be here. They don't live in this area who support what we're doing. We appreciate you believing in what we know and believe God's called us to do to help restore the true gospel that was perverted and hijacked back in Constantine's time. And so the, the gospel that the prophets, the apostles, and the Lord himself preached. And so, you know, we, we're trying to do that. We believe the end of the, the end Gentile age is here and Yahweh is, dis, is re, restoring truths. I tell you what, I had a, uh, I, I love the fact that friends of mine who don't understand the name Yahweh don't know that. They're start, uh, they put several of them put on Facebook the other day that what the name of Yahweh they, they think it means. You know, there's really no vowels in it. There's just consonants. And, and so they say that what it means is it's, it's the sound of breath. <gasps> Yah is inhaling, is exhaling. And they talk about the first thing you do, you know, you're always, uh, when baby comes out of the womb, first thing he says is Yahweh. You know, and it goes on and on with all these things that everybody that says, they're saying Yahweh, they don't know it. I'm trying to get them to know what it is they're saying. Now, I know there's other things that come out of our mouths, but uh, I'm so excited about people, uh, a, a young man that I've known since he's a little kid, he's, he's a rapper now. Blake Childress, I believe his name is. His mother owns that restaurant up here what, what's that called wise guys yeah so Blake now man Blake and he's his new song is Yahshua saved me I'm like there we go so I appreciate all of those that you pray for us and believe they're part of us and support financially what we're doing I mean it means the world to me it's such an encouragement and uh and uh, we're grateful for that so this morning there's all uh, it's probably on how you can give and all that okay that's my advertisement this morning and it's not going to cost as much as a Super Bowl advertisement, I hope. hope. I told my wife yesterday, I said, come here. I'm going to tell you the name of, of my message tomorrow. Because I don't usually teach based on holidays, you know, like Christmas, Easter. I don't usually have to, I'm bound to teaching a, a message based on the holiday. But this year, I believe that I'm going to do something a little different for one of the most holy days of the year. And that's called the Super Bowl. They run out of chicken wings and pizza. And so my title, to honor, honor this message this morning. I told Bevy, I said, come here. I said, read that title. I mean, it's already in like this big letters. She, so she comes up and leans over and looks. Where are my glasses? Super Bowl. Toilet Bowl, that is. So the look she gave me was a look that I thought maybe I shouldn't use that as the title. But usually if I put something on there like that, a lot of people want to hear what I'm talking about, you know, when I say Super Bowl, Toilet Bowl. And so I want to talk about, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. And this is what I have learned over my years. It, it really takes no discipline to watch football. It takes no discipline to watch baseball, basketball, the UFC, whatever you're into. It just, it, you just, you can just sit there. And this shift that's taken over the last 60 years of my life, I, I read a statistic that in 1969, who knows who played in the Super Bowl that year? Thank you. Joe Namath said, we will win, played against Baltimore Colts. 
I'll never forget, I was, so, I was so happy. My daddy was preaching for a guy down in Eufaula, Alabama, and his pastor. And uh, so we, my dad went and preached, and after we went to his house to have lunch. And that blessed pastor had a color TV, hallelujah. I want to tell you, when I saw those Jets play and, and uh, the Colts play, it was a beautiful thing. But I have seen it. I believe there is a correlation that's 2020 with that has to do these past 60 years what's happened in sports. I think it's definitely a sign of, of cultural decay and decline. I told my, my buddy Bob back there, I said, if you get done before I do, you, you can leave. There's never been such an interest of sports the way it is today. It, it consumes it. But the fat fact is, when I was a, a child, even watching TV was a sin. Charlotte knows the man, or knew the man, Reverend Alfio Savage. He called the television a one-eyed devil coming in from the roof. And all these years later, I think he was right. I'm trying to stay on course this morning because I saw a picture of our, our, say our, our new Secretary of Energy. David asked me, he said, was that the guy with the curly hair? That, that, that's a, that's a, guy, a guy that's trying to be a woman. Is that him? I said, oh, no, that's nothing. This is a man, I'm not sure what he's claiming to be, and posted pictures of him and his buddies with, with, that are on their all fours in leather, and they have this mask on that has a snout like a dog, and that's what they do in their Bedroom time. Well, any bedroom time now, it's all over the internet. It's called pet something another. Holy, y'all don't know what I want to say this morning. I can't believe. She showed me that picture of that. I'm, I'm like, I, I can't believe that. But I hear more talk about the excitement of, and excitement about college teams and this and statistics and all of that kind of stuff. But I don't really hear nobody talking about how to get a well done. I know there's time and place for everything. And I know this. And I'm very aware that for me to use this example this morning, people are not going to like it at all. I'm going to tick some people off talking about sports. But I'm going to get away from sports in a minute. But it is Super Bowl Sunday, and I felt like I would, it would be an injustice for me not to mention it. I think people that get mad at me, I think that's pretty exposing for them. See, I don't think sport is, sports is a sin. But like anything else, it can be. There used to be a young man that came to our school. We preached the gospel to him, man, and he believed it with all of his heart. He believed that, this gospel so much, and he went to high school and started playing football. And on a Wednesday afternoon or evening football practice at a local high school, he walked off the field, the practice field. And he started walking down the street and down the road. And the coach sent assistant coach to go see him and said, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, I, I got to go. We're right in the middle of football practice. Where are you going? I, I got to go get my will done. Church starts at 730. I can't do this. I got to get to the, I got to go because I need and want to get my will done. Well, of course, that didn't last very long, unfortunately. But what I'm dressing this morning is something I hope we can grab a hold of. I've been seeking God this morning. I've been laying around and sitting around for the last three months, bored, 
but I've sought the Lord in these times and I've used it for an opportunity, a couple for a, a few things, profitable. But what I'm addressing this morning is what I'm going to call fun in the sun. Fun in the S-O-N. People who want to have fun with God's Son. We want to have fun. We want to, we want to call ourselves Christians, but yet our life is devoted to fun. And that attitude is threatening to destroy what little hope I think we have left to avoid the judgment of God. Peter said this in chapter 4, for it's time for judgment to begin within the household of God. And if it is with difficulty, and it is with difficulty that the righteous are saved, what's going to happen to the godless and the sinner? If it's with difficulty that the righteous are saved, of all the topics that I preach on, I was asked this one time, and people assume that the hardest thing I preach about is whether you go to heaven or, or hell. Subjects of the Trinity really aren't that big anymore because people don't know what they believe. I, I spend too much time defending stuff out of the Bible that people don't even know is in the Bible and why they believe something, so I, I, should, I don't have to say it. This is what people will say to me. Well, this is what I believe. Okay, well, let's look at the Bible. The Bible no longer really has the integrity it once had as far as convicting people and them submitting to it to do what it says. How many of you will agree with me about that? It's just the truth, man. People just don't believe the Bible. I can respect that. I respect somebody that says, no, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. So what is the subject, Johnny? That, what's the one that, you know what it is? Total devotion to Christ. That's the hardest one. People say, and you changed and you started preaching this new gospel or whatever it is you're calling it, Johnny. Did a lot of people leave? I said, no, because those people had common sense. And the number one response we've ever had was, dang, that makes sense. Number one response. And I don't know of anybody that I can think of in the history of our church that ever quit our church because of the gospel that we preach. Because I think we've proven that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But I want to tell you what people leave about. And they don't understand the requirements of Christ. Acts 20, 24. I, you know, I read people's stuff on Facebook and I've heard messages and all that. I just want to know what version of the Bible these people are reading. When I read things like Acts 20, 24, I no longer count my life as dear unto myself. <laughs> I have abandoned my personal aspirations and ambitions. I have offered myself as a living sacrifice to Christ. Did y'all know that was in y'all's Bible? I guess it still is. When I say things like that to secularly minded people, they assume that I am from Pluto, which is no longer even a, a planet anymore. I'm not even from a real planet. We think the thought of living according to somebody else's agenda, is ludicrous and a kind of fanaticism that I want to tell you, people don't want to hear about. They think this, the greatest thing in the world, immortality, to live forever, don't really cost you anything. It costs somebody else something. That's the entitlement mentality America is failing, falling down with right now. Well, that's a free gift. Immortality is a free gift. The only thing's free is when you go to the mall somewhere and you get that, those people with those toothpicks. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I try to put a hat on. I go by and get some. I walk around. I pull my collar up, try to get some. I, I try to look different. And I want to tell you, it don't take many round trips to get off that lady's platter. But you don't, you're not even hungry anymore. 
Y'all have any free drinks? Can I try the can I try can I try that Diet Coke right there? You know what I'm saying? I've literally done this. This is a true story. I went up to a lady or a guy outside one of those places that had those, I mean, a plate full of bourbon chicken or something like that, you know. And I would say, hey, I know you don't want to be out here. And I don't want to just keep getting dizzy going around back. Why don't you just let me have it? All I want is about six pieces of that. Just give it to me. You can go back in there and I can go about my business searching for my wife in the mall. Hey, I'll get it. Who would be foolish enough to voluntarily, voluntarily suffer loss or, or stupid enough and foolish enough to refrain from pleasure or somehow infringe on the comfort level of my life? Am I crazy? I'm preaching on the Super Bowl. Don't forget that. I talk about total devotion to Christ. People think it means squandering the only life they have. And, and this, is, this is what I think is a more acceptable message. If I talk about prosperity, God loves everybody, and the old goody, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm in. Because that's what we spend all our mind, our energies, our hopes, our visions, that one day we don't have to work no more, and we can just lay around and eat, drink, and be merry. What businessman in his right mind would say no to a client whose order would produce a bigger profit? Be stupid to deny something like that. That ain't how we do it in this world. The fact is, more, 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 more is always better. That's just the American way. More, I need more. I was just going to try to talk today. I apologize. My wife says, don't yell at me. I said, I'm yelling to you. And there's a big difference. It's so hard. It's so hard, man. It's so hard to persuade people to commit themselves unreservedly to, to Yeshua and his requirements and his commands. It's so hard. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I sit there and I'm getting, trying to get some food for y'all, some spiritual food, so you can know the truth or at least have an opportunity to compare what I'm saying. Because when you do that, I got you. A sincere person who will take what I'm teaching and compare it with the scriptures, I got you. But it don't mean you're going to commit yourself to Christ. And I've had this attitude many times. Why bother? I think the King James and the Greek says, screw it. Why not settle for church attendance or membership or at least just partial service to God? I keep my mind like that. And i got to be honest with you. I hear preachers that make me crazy. Do y'all know that Elvis Presley shot a, shot a TV with a forty-five pistol one time because Robert Goulet was singing on the TV? Tell you what, if I didn't have such a nice TV, i get frustrated. So my wife says, why are you watching that? I don't know. Don't yell at me. I'm yelling to you. What? But I'll tell you what I think. I don't blame all these pastors for preaching truth. I know good men who don't preach the truth. Because people have created these monsters and leaders and these leaders because they demand from them a gospel of self. They demand it. And in regular church governments and denominations, guess what? Not as bad as it used to be. And if you didn't do what they said, how they said, and preach it that way, they would fire you. They would fire you. In my brain, I, am, I live with a daily opposition and I want to point out this morning without any self-pity a painful fact of my life. Preaching sold-out Christianity draws the disapproval of people who will try anything to try to persuade those that I'm preaching to or hearing to lower our standard of what God requires. Our first enemy is ourself.
I don't really have to do that. I, don't, I can fudge here a little bit. Half-hearted believers respond to messages on total commitment the, the way the rebellious sinners respond to messages on repentance. You know, I don't know. I don't really know all the groups out there now, know what's on the, the, the music out there, and don't really care to. But I knew who Black Sabbath was. I knew who Black Oak, Arkansas was. You remember them, Joel? A friend of mine just went to a 38 special concert last, this week. It'd be like walking out with Ozzy Osbourne. I'm dating myself. I don't date myself. I dated my wife, but actually. I got there, and I stand up in front of the crowds. Can I have your attention, please? I want every head bowed and every eye closed. You need to repent. You know, Yeshua, I could give them the whole gospel message. You know what those people are going to do to me? I said, do you know what they're going to do to me? Run to the altar and say, oh, oh yeah. No, no. They're going to tell me to leave. And I want to tell you, the repulsiveness of that, that would be my message to those people is about how it is when I preach what the Bible really says that God requires to really be a Christian. I want to tell you what. Most of the time, they're more repulsed at that than the sinner is about repentance. What hostility. And I get resistance, and I have when I challenge half-hearted, cosmetic Christians to be dedicated to completely to Christ. And whenever you expose someone's addiction to gratification, let me warn you, you can expect a defensive reaction. It's like taking a pacifier from a baby. They're going to pout. Now this morning, the reason I know that is because I feel it. I know it. When I preach a, a message or talking to somebody about the, the nine requirements of being the disciple, did anybody, did anybody ever read that about when you get saved? No. What about the nine requirements? You've got to hate everything, everybody, and even your own life, or you cannot be my disciple. That's just the first three. And so what I decided to do years ago, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it's going to be so you won't waste my time and I won't waste your time. Because I know people who ain't man enough to walk the true Christian life. They're wussies, man. This selfish, whiny baby. They just cry, baby, me, 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 I hope I don't watch that, me doing that on the playback here. If I come in here and I preach a message like this and you feel the repulsiveness and all, and I'm not saying y'all, I mean, we, not anybody here, but, and then I preach on something about the goodness of God and prosperity, and, and, and I believe in the goodness of God and prosperity. Don't get me wrong. This is easy. Jesus paid it all. You don't have to do nothing. You're eternally secure, even though the Bible says you can get your name blotted out and get, you know, whatever. You can feel the difference. So, what do you think I'm tempted to preach on the third week? Another discipleship message? Heck no. So, this is how people disclose their resistance. They say, hey, you're being too harsh. You're being unrealistic. You're being too long. You, you got any good news? What about God loves you as you are? And they quit, you know, they, they quit assembling with us. They, quit, they withhold their money. And, they, and if I didn't have the support from some of you, I, I could not keep this up. That's just truth. Because sometimes the resistance gets so strong because the Bible said it's going to be a few people. Can I tell you this? I want you to listen to me. Yahweh's looking for the cream of the crop to rule and reign with his son. Not just a bunch of people who are losers. This is the good thing. You can be a loser in this life and still get your well done. You know what I mean? 
You may not be the fastest or the strongest or the best looking or the most talented or the richest or whatever, but you can qualify and get you well done. That's the race I want to win. You got any other men here? We men of God can deny, deny themselves. Years ago when I was a cocky young guy, I would, I would say, I'm going to take the city. Hallelujah. We're taking the city. We're going to take a city. Take the city. And that got postponed. Taking this city got postponed when I found out that a man's greater who can rule his own spirit than a man who can take a city. Y'all hear me? That's what Bible says. So I found out, hey, you know what? I want to be greater than a man that can take a city. I want to rule my own spirit. I, I told you the last couple of weeks, all that crap that was handed down to me from my family, my grandfather, I, this is as far back as I know it, but I think maybe it goes further, but... My grandfather and my father loved them. I didn't know my grandfather. Loved my dad. Those curses that are handed down to you familiarly through our DNA and structures of, of all this molecular parts of our brain. And, and I've, taught, I've taught on it. God about it. Let me tell you this. God did not deliver me from that. I did. And he helped. This is nothing but a shake and bake gospel. Hallelujah. And he helped. He is our paraclete. He is our great helper. And I say he because it's called personification. I appreciate those that have stood with me all these years. The church is full of parasites. And I'm not talking about us. We're an ecclesia. I don't even like the name church. And we've had people come. But this is what they do. They eat and run and they join the benefits. But they don't contribute to the well-being of and a comprehension of what the ecclesia, house number three, is really all about i got to tell you, not many people have come to me personally and in my face and said things like, who do you think you are? You ain't got no right to tell us how to live. Oh, yes, I do. I'm called to God to tell you how to live. That's my job. You're an egomaniac who thinks you can tell everybody else how to live. I've heard that third party. Now, you know, this is a long time ago. I'm, get, I'm making a point here about fun in the sun. You hear me? Serving Jesus is just fun. And we got to have a good time. So why in the world do I want to preach about being fully dis devoted? You know, the whole purpose of water baptism is this. And this isn't controversial except for the fact that people who want to have fun in the sun. It means you are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua. Let me tell you what you're doing. You were saying, I'm dying to my ambitions and everything in my own life. The Bible says if you don't, if you don't lose your life, uh, if you try to find your life, you will lose it. But if you'll lose your life, you will find life. That's why your Christianity isn't working. Because we have forgotten the requirements that we believed when we were young. Well, where's God at? What's God going to do this? Where is he this? Well, he isn't the one who has parted. When our perceptions about life are wrong, let me tell you what will happen soon. Everything else will go wrong. I say when your perceptions about life are wrong, all else will go wrong in the near future. The Spirit of God and the Word of God are the catalysts that are the dynamics of us having a true conversion and what the Bible says, forming a new man. Another scripture says it's Christ in us the hope of what? Becoming immortal. That's the hope of glory. Glory means uh, immortality. 
But I think something's dreadfully wrong, man. Uh, there seems to be a breakdown along the way. And the regeneration process that God said will work, won't work, and isn't working. And i got to tell you, we're as big of a mess as the world is. And I can tell us this. It ain't God's fault. How do I check myself? I check what I truly believe by looking at my emotions. My emotions expose what I really believe. The mindset on the flesh is death, the Bible says. And what it does, it produces irritable, uncontrolled emotions. How many of you are irritable? My God, I've never seen so many irritable people in the world today. You can't, you can't tell them that they're a woman. When they were born with a uterus and ovaries, and you can say, excuse me, ma'am, I'm not a ma'am. Well, what a... Huh? You can't say, they're irritable about how they were even, everybody's irritable. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, but the mindset of the Spirit has life and peace, and it produces holy emotions called love through the Spirit. So what our job is, we have to renew the mind with the perspective and belief structure of that Spirit word. The renewed mind that comes centered on Yahweh is called, the Bible calls it, in one place, 1 Corinthians 2, the mind of Christ. I tell people this. It might be time to change your mind. All these, um, we have, you know, bad memories. Those bad memories of, of reflect and emote feelings and perceptions. But those, I tell people this. The, the only place your past exists is just in your mind. And I'll tell you what. Those things will pop up with all the intensity of 20 years ago and, and make it as vivid as it happened just a few hours ago. I've been told time heals. Well, time has not healed evidently. I'm not sure that time can heal what we need to kill. Because your feelings will lie to you. Somebody say that's the truth. They're going to mess up your emotions. And that will spill over into any kind of relationship you have. Even the relationship you have with yourself. Which is the worst kind. Of torment you can live in. We must stop the hangover from the past affecting our here and now. We must sober up and dispute these false perceptions based on, and we must make what we believe based on the truth because that's the foundation of a healthy, stable emotion. And I'm interested in our emotions as your apostle. And I always have get good news when I read the Bible. First Corinthians said, look, I have to speak to you people as, as carnal, as babes. I fed you with milk. I can't do it solid food until now you were not able to receive it. And now you still ain't ready to receive it. Why? And this is the thing. Because we're carnal. Our target is not just being happy, positive, and motivated. Do you hear me? I'm not interested in Dr. Phil. Even though Dr. Phil has some beautiful truths, great phrases, I love, the, I love the psychological terminology where I can maybe put a label on something that people can relate to. But I want to tell you something. Psychology cannot change anybody. You will spend your life trying to keep changing yourself. And the Bible says your heart will lie to you. It is deceptive. The spirit word will come in and renew you and transform you. I'm not just, I don't want to just be happy, positive, and motivated. I don't want to get up every day and have to say, okay, my life sucks, but uh, I'm going to choose to be happy. I mean, you're sick of that. I'm going to choose to be happy today, Joel. Shut up. Leave me alone. I'm happy, damn it. I am smiling. 
Oh, praise the Lord. You stupid out. <laughs> now, if it's not a bad place to start, if you are unhappy, negative, and ap apathetic, <laughs> at least try. You know, act that way until you're, you're, it catches up with your emotions, catch up with what you're trying to do. I'm all for that. But our goal is to have a sanctified and transformational set of beliefs and a core of emotions that make us what the Bible calls whole. Not H-O-L-E. We got enough of those kind of holes, don't we? And deficits. I'm talking about W-H-O-L-E. And we could present our bodies, spirit, and minds whole unto God. Can I tell you this? It is acquirable. It is for sale. It's available for you today. There's just some hope. Hallelujah. That's the target model for our emotional maturity. Who and what Yeshua is. You okay, Bob? You doing okay back, bro? Okay. All right. Here, take it on. Am I better looking live than I am on that TV? I'm thinner, ain't I? I heard it gains, puts 20 pounds on you. Who gives us wisdom? Yahweh does. And how to express our emotions that our emotions have to be taught of God. Carnal mind will continue to be emotionally ungenerated. It will continue to be immature. It will remain an emotional wreck and for the very least shallow and indifferent. That's how we become and we stay that way until we have God to really doing something with us. We remain blind and in darkness. We don't walk in the light, the Bible says. We act like the world, look like the world, indistinguishable, uh, indistinguishable from the surrounding culture in the way that we act and react. I don't want to just be another American who says Yahweh or Ruach or, or Ecclesia. And I don't want you to be that. And in, when, I read the book, when I read the Bible, the churches, man, they were messed up, y'all. We're we doing good. Compared to the church at Corinth. The, the first four chapters, this is, how, this is what Paul dealt with. He talks about division, intellectual and spiritual pride, factions, infighting. Chapters 5 and 6 show that they were visiting prostitutes. <laughs> Don't let me catch one of y'all doing that. I will run you out butt naked into the street and whip you with my cowboy belt. <laughs> oh, it will happen. Listen, engaging in sexual immorality and incest. This is what he was dealing with in the church. And I bet they watched the Super Bowl too. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think I'm funny. Chapter 7 talks about marriage, divorce, the basics of sexually appropriate behavior. Chapters 8 to 11 correct disorders such as being drunk at the Lord's Supper. Oh, my God. Not waiting for one another so one goes hungry. Because we went to the buffet four times before we gave them a chance to get there once. They should have got there on time. They continued to participate in feasts in pagan temples and eating food sacrificed to the odd idols. Chapters 12 through 14 reveals a paganizing of spiritual gifts. And they used it in competitive, unloving, and chaotic ways. I got to tell you, years ago, we had the, when we were in this old building, we had these two people. And uh, they would always compete, have prophecy. One would say, yeah, I'm going to all burn in hell, thus saith the Lord, and, and that kind of fire and brimstone. And then this little sister Lucy would come up here and say, it's okay, saith the Lord. I love you with an everlasting love. Just pick up the phone and call me sometime, saith the Lord. I want to talk to you. I love you so much. But I heard a story of a friend of mine 
who in his church, this was in the late 70s, and they would give messages in tongues in church, you know, and, and these two ladies, one would sit on this side, one on that side, and they were like spiritually competitive. I'm more spiritual than you. I know more than you. I'm the, the grand poopah, the matriarch, or whatever it is. Still competition. And so during one service, my friend told me, Sister, whoever was sitting on the second row, about where you are, Debbie. <laughs> and, and over here was that other lady. So this lady, it's real quiet in the service. And when you're in a Pentecostal church, when it gets quiet, you know what you're supposed to do. You have to give a message in tongues. But you're scared because the Bible says that if you give a message in tongues, you have to interpret it if nobody else does. So either you chicken out and don't do it, or you just don't know that's what the Bible says, which is probably B. So this lady comes there, Well, at the same time, in that quiet time, the sister on this side started, And so he said evidently they got kind of hearing each other. So she started saying, Shandabakadaba, and this one heard her. She said, Shandabakadaba, He said they were literally at the edge of the aisle, one this way, one that, that way, saying, right at each other, speaking in tongues. They must have gone to Paul's church in Corinth. Then chapter 15, now they're, now they're denying the resurrection, all the basic doctrines they disagree on. Let me tell you what it is. The church was a mess. James had it worse. Listen to this. James, James 4, 2 said they murdered each other. <laughs> Married folks. James also said they treat the poor as beneath them. Galatians, Titus, Hebrews, all of these epistles, there's warnings of extremely plain correction and the consequences of sin and the judgment of God. People don't want to hear it. They want to have fun in the sun. S-O-N. Let me tell you what the Bible says. He says these people, he called the Hebrews, Paul did, or Luke actually wrote Hebrews, sluggish, unfruitful, dull of hearing, immature, like children. They were neglectful of their salvation, in danger of drifting away from the faith, hardening their hearts to God's word, and having evil, unbelieving hearts. Ouch! Chapter 10 says, look, you, you neglect meeting together. You're on the verge of giving up the faith. You return to sin and being judged by the living God. And that you are almost undistinguishable from everybody else in the world. Can't tell the difference. I decided to title this message, Quenching the Holy Spirit. I've been on the Holy Spirit a little bit, talked about, you know, aspects what the Bible says, not what I was told, not what I believed, because I just believed it and was handed down to me, what the Bible says. These people obviously got the, had the Holy Spirit in them. They got it when they got baptized, assumably, yet they were a mess, and something was dreadfully wrong, and there was some kind of breakdown, and their sanctification was falling apart, and this, church, this living for God just wasn't working, and the Holy Spirit in them just was not producing the maturity, and the fruit of the Spirit was not evident in their lives. I think this is fair to say about most Christians today. So did God, has God given up on us? Surely not. Any his fault. Most people were doing stuff that was stopping the spirit of Yahweh from having his way in their life. I said, these people were doing stuff that was preventing and stopping the spirit and the power of God from doing and having his way in their lives. If you don't hear nothing else, hear that. 
They were sinning against the Spirit's presence in their life. That's what happens when we get carnal again. It can be grieved, quenched, lied to, put to the test, insulted, outraged, made jealous, blasphemed and resisted. And Jude even said in chapter 1, verse 19, they were devoid of the Spirit. So this is what we're doing. We are trying to live for God and get the benefits of God without allowing God to do what He said He did do for those things to happen. We do it in our own power again. I got it. I got this. Oh, really? Well, until you go to the hospital. Hello? Until something happens to one of your babies. Until your job fires you. And all of a sudden, we need the Holy Ghost. I'm going to look at something very quickly this morning. When we despise the prophetic word and correction, then what you're doing is throwing cold water on the, spirit, the fire of the Spirit in your life. It's called quenched. When you, like Ananias and Sapphira, who conspired in an act of financially deceiving the apostles, holding back, selling this property, and not tithing on it or giving offerings of it. That's what they, they had, they had property thing. Holding back, not doing, not doing the way God says to do with your money. Holding back, withholding. This is what it, the Bible says they weren't deceiving. They thought they were deceiving men. But you can't deceive God. Guess what happens? You lie to the Holy Ghost. And they, the result was them being carried out dead. Now, when we lie to the Holy Ghost, this will happen. You shall surely die. That doesn't mean that you're going to drop dead. How many of you know if we read the book of Genesis, the Bible says you shall surely die. But it was like 900 years later. But what dies is the ability to walk with God. What dies is the Spirit of God in your life again. And so what we're doing, we're trying to resuscitate our marriage. I've heard many men tell me, oh, I'm going to be faithful to my wife. I'll tell you, I'll I said, that's bull. Because you can't do that in your own ability. Put to the test. Here's another. And then I says, fire first. They're testing, thinking that they could deceive those who did have the Spirit. Make jealous the Holy Spirit. Listen to this scripture. You unfaithful people, don't you know that love for this evil world is hatred toward God? Oh, can I stop a minute? That's what it says in my Bible. Is, is it wrong? Is it a misprint? I said, is it a misprint? Next week, I know, I'm, the, the, you know it's cold in here right now. The reception is. But next week, I'll do, I'm going to do some fun in the sun message, which I don't know if I'm capable of even doing that. Don't you know that love for this evil world is hatred for who is hatred toward God. Love for this world means you hate God, and whoever wants to be a friend of this world is an enemy of God. That's what your Bible says, but I know you don't believe the Bible anymore. If we're going to do it, we should at least try, try to do it the right way once. The Spirit of God wants to have that power. God gave you that for, for it to energize you. Friendship with the world in the Bible and loving the world is seen as this illustration, spiritual adultery. Married to Yahshua, still sleeping with the world. Y'all hear me today. Somebody just lie to me today. Tell me sweet little lies. Just say, God's going to preach it, Johnny. And then you can ask God to forgive you for lying if that's the way you feel. Okay, never mind. Then don't encourage me then, okay? <laughs> Worldliness. Listen to this. Hebrews 10. We insult, outrage, and do despite unto these people were going back from Christianity to Judaism. They became apostates. 
These being they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Having not in the Greek means, it literally means this, denying the spirit. That's just what I think. When, when things are kind of getting screwy with me, I think I might be denying the spirit and lying to the spirit. You can lie to your wife, but you can't lie to the Holy Ghost. We resist it. We blaspheme. Let me tell you what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. If you, if you say something bad happened and the Holy Spirit did it, no, that ain't what it is. That's just what somebody, some old ignorant person told you. Now, there are bad people, but how many of you know that back in the 20s and the 30s when Pentecost first came and, and all this movement, they were just a bunch of poor, ignorant people that couldn't even read. So they based what they believed. They'd have one scripture. They based a doctrine on it out of their ignorance, uneducated selves. I'm not being mean. It's just true. Blaspheme, when you, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to say it's okay. When the Bible says don't do it, and the Holy Spirit convicts us to not to do it, but we do it anyway. Guess what you just did? The power went off. You better call Duke Energy. Or your cable went off, sir. The emotional consequences of sinning against the Holy Spirit are disastrous. I know when people aren't walking right and living right, they are nasty. The Bible says they'll steal, murder, lie, fight, quarrel. We resist Him and open our door for hatred and a love of worldly things and a growing resentment and anger and malice. Don't want to be corrected anymore. I'm like, look, if, if I'm going out fixing to go to a bridge that's out, would you please stop me? And I don't care what name you call me. You can throw rocks at my car. You can do whatever you want to do. Please stop me. David said, let the righteous smite me. I don't like that. A little dishonesty with their finances here and there. I don't, you know, just, well, it's just easier to do this. It's Jesus just, just to do this. Yeah, so what it is, we develop a way of giving. That's, all it is is another bill that we pay instead of it's a time of worship. Okay, let's see how God blessed me this week. Well, I don't get blessed that way every week. I'm on salary. Yahweh. And we worship, worship. And after a while, the power of the Holy Spirit when we, res when we resist his power in us that convicts us of sin that we're doing and corrects us for our own good, or he speaks through me, the man of God in your life, those kind of things, guess what? We reject him, we bless him, we lie to him, and pretty soon, now it's only a whisper. When I was a young man, I tried my best to be a bad sinner. I told this story one time to a friend I went to Bible college with. I said, I had a hard time sinning. He said, well, you didn't act like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't say I didn't sin, and I didn't have pleasure in sinning, but I'm going to tell you, there was something in me that made me miserable. I could be drunker than Cooter Brown. Y'all know who Cooter Brown is? That conviction of the Holy Ghost would just mess everything up. I mean, have a good time. You can't have a good time. It's always like, yeah, you know. Uh, 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 uh. Holy Spirit wouldn't shut up till the day he did. When I kept saying, no, 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 I'm going to do it anyhow. 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 Listen, I, when I first started drinking, my body and my spirit man said, no. First beer I had, guess where it went? It came out quicker than it went in. But dadgummit, I was determined, I'm going to drink me beer. I won't ever forget the first cigarette I smoked. I turned green, almost passed out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But no, 
I'm going to press in. I would even listen to my body tell me I'm stupid and it's going to probably give me cancer. I don't care. I want to smoke a cigarette and smell like the Marlboro Man on the back of a horse in the middle of a bunch of cow pasture. Why did, I, why did that entice me? He was on a stinky horse with cow poop everywhere. I wanted to be like him. You had your person you were worshiping. The relationship between the power of the Spirit of God and the carnal Christian, man, it is a life of struggle and pain. Oh, oh, you grieve the Spirit, make him jealous, quench it, resist it. He seeks to bring the carnal believer to a point of repentance and to cooperation with God. Now, I want to stop here because I'm not stopping, but I want to throw this in. I'm using the word the he here because I believe in personification in the Bible. Somebody tells me we were talking about the Trinity and, and the, you know, the Holy Spirit being a third person of the Trinity. And I told people, well, why is all this? Why is he not all of this? And so I said, well, do you believe that wisdom is a person? Because all through the Bible, wisdom is referred to as a she. And wisdom existed before time also. So are you telling me there's four people in the Trinity now? Uncreated, ever existing. So anyhow, if I say he then I want you to understand, I want to make that clear to you. I try not to say it, but, but it, I don't want to say it unless I'm just really trying to prove a, a point to somebody and provoke them to prove me wrong. We're not walking in light. We're blind. Our behavior is like the world. We, we look like our culture. We quench. We resist. We insult the Spirit of God because you know what? This is why. Because we just want to have fun in the sun. I, don't, I, don't, I want to go to church where I don't want to Don't do all of that. Let me just go. I'll give some money. I'll come to church every, you know. I, I, I want to tell you all, you're in the wrong church. I will not allow that here. You may do it, and I don't know about it, but I want to tell you what. It don't really what I, matter what I know. I can look at people's lives and say like B.B. King, the thrill is gone. You got nothing. And want to know why everything's falling apart? Because, because we've quenched, lied to and all the other words I've talked about. And we're trading our birthright for oatmeal? I mean, I've never had porridge. I don't know if that's a Yankee meal or something like that. Bob, is porridge a Yankee meal? I don't know. He don't even know. He's from South Pennsylvania. Anybody know what porridge is? He's far as hot, he's far as cold, food far as in pot, nine days old, something like that. I, I don't know what it is. Let's call it oatmeal. Here you have Esau and Jacob. Do you know that God said, Esau I have hated, Jacob I have loved. That always bothered me. Why do you love Esau? I mean, hate Esau and love Jacob. And I'll tell you why. Because Esau did not value the birthright. You hear me? He didn't value it. He, he, was, he would trade it for a bowl of oatmeal. Jacob, even though he deceived him and got it by lying, it was valuable to him. Yahweh wants to, us to develop emotionally. He wants us to mature. He don't want us to remain emotional wrecks. He wants us to experience true peace and true joy. But here is the kicker. In the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is righteousness. That's being right with God. Peace and joy. You can't do it if you grieve in the Holy Ghost. 
if you love the world more than you love God. If you're trading off, if, it's, if your birthright is no more important to you than just a good time or being like the world or living like the world and we're going to get into the world. And I can tell you this, all of this that I'm talking about, quit blaming God for it. What do you do? You don't do this for me. No, quit it. When we stop being carnal, and putting the world first, and living our dreams, and, and investing all our money and time in things that are temporal, and not the things of God, and loving Him and putting Him first. He never promised you anything. He said, I'm not going to sit second fiddle to nobody. I have to be first before your children, your wives, your family. And this is the hard one. And even your own life, or you cannot be a disciple. Now! Y'all want to go have some fun in the sun now? Because when you do that, and the Spirit of God, you stay filled with it, and you quit emptying yourself, the Spirit of God out of you by putting worldly stuff in it. You, y'all used to, a lot of us used to be that way. We don't fire for God. We don't fire for God. But now it's like, well, I'm older now, and I got this, and I'm going to spend the money on that, and I'm going to spend my time there, and and because, you know, I'm, I'm old enough now, I found out, this just ain't really real. Now, let me tell you what you found out. You have been lying and quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit. And it's here, it's available for all of us who won't trade it for Quaker Oats. Bye, y'all. Appreciate you watching. Go have some fun in the sun. Hey, I love y'all. Bow your heads. I'm going to pray over you before you leave.